This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells, restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years, and now the 45-day money-back guarantee you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A session where we take your questions. Questions come to radio program at AOL.com. And what's our next question, please? This comes from... This comes from... I don't have a name. Dr. H consistently pushes back against studies linking eggs and red meat to TMAO, that's trimethylamine oxide. But here are a bunch of studies from some of your favorite publications that seem to suggest limiting eggs and red meat to avoid heart disease. Okay. And he wants to know, should I restrict eggs and red meat in light of the fact that I do have an LDL of 130, although his HDL is 90, his triglycerides so let, are let 80. Just, let me just say, generally, that's a pretty protective level of HDL. Yes, it is. Not 100%. Right. Uh, because other factors sometimes enter in besides cholesterol and HDL yeah. to promote cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it, the, the ultimate test, I mean, we keep, this sounds like broken record, but we say get an EBT heart scan. So, he for has, example, he has we, a score of 80. Score of 80. So he has, he has a little bit of beginnings of right. cardiovascular risk. All right. So that's, that's situation. And he has an A1C of 5.5. Okay. Not, Which is not, not optimal. Not not optimal. It could be a little lower, but it's yeah. it is considered normal at the upper range of normal. Yes. All right. So putting on a side, what is TMAO? Trimethylamine oxide. Okay. It's this new intriguing theory about the uh, yet another risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Yes. That's an obscure risk factor for cardiovascular disease mm-hmm. because it's not normally checked for. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are labs that check. TMAO. I can't even remember the last time I checked for TMAO. Yeah. Um, but um, it, the thought is that uh, some people uh, metabolize, especially choline. Mm-hmm. What are the main sources of choline? Eggs. Eggs. And fish. Yeah. Are the sources of choline. Now, if you look epidemiologically at um, the consumption of eggs, mm-hmm. it, you know, some people say, follow the science. Well, the science is a little divided on that. Some right. studies show that eggs are a risk factor. Others, the vast majority of studies say that eggs are exonerated, not yes. risk factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may depend on a person's metabolism. Yeah. Um, the other thing is most studies, you know, I think it's pretty well acknowledged that the more fish you consume, the less cardiovascular disease you have. Exactly. And that's a source of choline. But this substance, TMAO, is associated with cardiovascular disease, mm-hmm. and it's a metabolite of choline. Also carnitine, by the way. Yes. But carnitine is stop, thought to be... Stop taking carnitine? No, but that's heart healthy I, for a exactly. lot of people, right? So, exactly. So, so... And helps with fat burning. So, and so the it, studies go back and forth on is TMAO a risk factor 
Um, I think it's individual, and it is, as you told me in the lead-up to this question, we talked a little bit about this before uh, mm-hmm. starting the podcast today, it's about the microbiome, right? Yes, it's about the microbiome. The microbiome has the ability to either ramp up or ramp down the production of this TMAO. Yep. So again, a functioning gut is everything, right. is really everything. It doesn't matter about the amount of eggs or the red meat that you're having. Mm-hmm. And of course, you always want to have as uh, clean food as possible, organic, grass-fed, mm-hmm. all of that. That has to go without saying at this point. We say this so often. So it's not just about that. He cites a lot of studies. Uh, you know, TMAO rather than cholesterol may be the culprit. Evidence that diabetics should restrict eggs. I mean, he lists a lot of things from American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, from European Journal of Nutrition. I just want to put that out there because he went to a lot of trouble to put this right, together right, right. for this question. So uh, really, the bottom line is is that it's not conclusive. Right. It's simply I mean, not conclusive. I, I guess if- it's almost looking at the TMAO all by itself. Right. Not not in the presence in context, of microbiome. In context, yeah. It's like looking at one species of plant life, not in the context of the forest that it's living in. Or, or different strokes for different folks. Yes. Right? Uh, I guess if we want to be rigorous, we could test everybody for TMAO. Yeah. And in the people who do have high TMAO, what could we do? Well, we could tell them to stop eating eggs and fish and stop taking carnitine, if they were taking carnitine, or mm-hmm. we could modify their microbiome. Now, there are some studies which show that if you take antibiotics, which kind of indiscriminately kill off a lot of the bacteria, yes, it lowers your TMAO. Mm. So I guess one of the patents that they were looking for was a patent on a drug to lower TMAO. There's a, you know, it's kind of a follow-the-money trail here, yes. and they're looking for a new paradigm which they could monetize. Yes. And if they could find the ideal antibiotic that lowers TMAO via the gut, then, uh, you know, it would help people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so far the results have been inconsistent on that proposition. TMAO came up about five years ago. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of got, <clears throat> there's a lot of excitement around it. And then it kind of got, you know, messy. kind of waned. Kind of messy. You know, it's like, eh, yeah, TMAO, but it's not Don't eat so. fish? Yeah, I mean, right. Who would tell it's anyone not to eat fish? Ca- counterintuitive, yeah. right? Yeah. Unless you're allergic to fish. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, do, do fish cause heart disease? No. No. Most studies no. You push back on that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Exactly that. Exactly that. So, with an LDL of 130, total cholesterol of 230, the HDL is 90, nice big garbage truck, triglycerides at 80, calcium score of 80, and A1C of 5.5. He wants to know if he should stop eating eggs and red meat. Well, how would you know if it's beneficial? Right. I mean, it, it would be the absence of problems mm-hmm. for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. But what would be the metric, you know, to see yes. if it's beneficial? First of all, to see if he has a high TMAO. Right. You can get it measured. Not a lot of labs do it readily. It's not mm-hmm. covered by insurance often, but you know, you want to do it, make yourself into a science fair project, get it done, find out if it's high, and then stop eating those things and see if it gets lower. Right. But then the What's question is to going eat? to be, you know, is the TMAO hypothesis solid enough to substantiate <laughs> that kind of deprivation over time? Yeah. Even if he does lower it. Right. 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 In the meantime, you could be helped by lowering your A1C. 
That would be helpful. A little bit of a lower carb diet. Because eat uh, more eggs and fish. And <laughs> yeah, eat more eggs and fish. Stop eating and meat, and stop eating so many carbs. Right. And that A1C will come down. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. This really is a double-edged sword for many people. So yeah, I would, I would pay less attention to TMAO. Let's. I mean, let's. Yeah. Let's watch that I mean, TMAO. Let's watch that paradigm develop. Yes, yes, yes. Let's watch it develop because of all the studies that he cited here in this question, none of them address the microbiome. Right. And that's the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not TMAO for everyone across the board who are eating eggs and red meat. That's not seen. Mm-hmm. It's not conclusive. Okay. So what okay. are we what are we talking about? Enough of this. Okay. T- TMI. 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 I'm exactly. Making, I'm making the TMI sign. Exactly. Okay. So speaking of TMI, uh, here's some information that uh, some of our sponsors want you to hear. So uh, please uh, listen up. Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our questions. What's next, Layla? From Nicole. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. In a few of your latest podcasts, you've talked about EMF uh, and how bad they are for us. Does this include... P-E-M-F, pulse electromagnetic field therapy? I would think not, seeing that it's natural, it's a natural earth frequency. Pulse electromagnetic field, that's P-E-M-F, as opposed to electronic electromagnetic fields, which, which can come random from and random and non-native, like from your Wi-Fi router right. and all of these other things that we're talking about. Yeah, here's just yeah. some really crazy that happens, happened mm. to me is they uh, put in some new um, cables in my apartment building, you know, mm-hmm. to allow, I think, Time Warner to get into the building. And ever since they've done that, mm-hmm. maybe they're getting ready for 5G. Uh, ah. There's, the, I have like a little vestibule in my apartment. I don't have a very big apartment. But I have a little vestibule, you know, mm-hmm. where you come in, you take off your shoes, you know, and you put your keys on the table. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just... Well, foyer. Foyer, you know, but hardly... Foyer. It, it hardly deserves that term because it's such a small apartment. But anyway... Um, it, so when I have, I mean, I listen to, uh, podcasts and I listen to, uh, the radio sometimes using my tablet, my yes. computer, yeah. uh, tablet or phone, iPhone. And if I walk in that area, I hear this static and I'd think, thank God that's the room that, not the room I'm sleeping in because these are soundless, invisible, uh, Electromagnetic yeah. fields 
that are messing with the reception on my <clears throat> yes. radio and on my uh, radio too. It does it with the radio and it does it with wow. my pad. And, you know, this we are saturated in those things. We are. We are. You know what I found out recently? I mean, the bedroom already, yes. it's, it's okay. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found out recently that even using dimmer switches, like on your lights, yes. for ambiance, if that dimmer is on, like yeah. not fully on, but in the middle, I get interference on my radio, yes. on my receiver. Yes. And I hate that. So either I have to turn it off or turn it all the way up to help with ambiance, right? Yeah, right. Or anything like that. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So low frequency pulsed electromagnetic field therapy, uh, that might be helpful for some things, but if it's in the range of earth magnetic field, we want native EMF, which is from the earth. One of the best things we could do is not here on the concrete and the tar, but maybe out in the country is walk barefoot. Stephen Sinatra, grounding. Grounding. Mm-hmm. Grounding. That's what we're talking about. So, but so, here's the thing, hmm. you know, uh, we cannot exonerate PM, PEMF yeah. because it is artificial. It's non-native, and, right. you know, humans, in their wisdom, we say, well, this is in the safe range and that's in the harmful range. And But, you know, we don't know. PEMF is therapeutic. It actually yeah. is good for pain. Mm-hmm. It can be, uh, I've, I've had some people sleep on PEMF mats wow. that supposedly help their sleep. But, you know, I think it's a little bit... Um, tricky mm-hmm. to emulate the fields that are optimal for human functioning. It's yeah. our best guess as to what works and what's not harmful. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think that they're by an order of magnitude safer than these random electrical fields that we're exposed to Yeah. because it's designed to be therapeutic. But I, you can't completely discount the possibility that these could mess things up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we, we're, we are electrical systems in our body. We have yeah. nerves. We Our cells are We're have electrical elect- beings. We, there's electrical... Uh, yeah. uh, there's there's electrical potential around our cells. Mm-hmm. You know, that... Uh, mm-hmm. So in, if those are challenged with interference, maybe our cell function is less good. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nicole, we're not sure if that includes PEMF or not. So, but I, some of my colleagues yeah. use PMF, PEMF in uh, treatment mm-hmm. of pain conditions and uh, a variety of problems, and they just rave. They yeah. just say it's fantastic. I don't use those treatments here, Yeah. Uh, but uh, it is a modality that's popular in integrative medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, if you get out to the country, walk barefoot <laughs> yeah, right. on some grass right. and some soil right. and at the beach, stuff right. like that, stuff like that. We have an email from Chris. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. Love your show. You're both so informative. Thank you, Chris, for listening. I recently came across an article from a Japanese study regarding K2 in the form of MK4, mm-hmm. which was used to prevent bone loss in postmenopausal women. The dosage was 45 micrograms a day of MK4. I've been taking MK7 once a day of a dosage of about 100 micrograms for many years for osteopenia, osteoporosis, but recently increased it to 200 micrograms after listening to your show. Way to go, Chris. Yes, we definitely want more than 180 micrograms of MK7. This has worked very well for me. And after reading this study, I'm wondering if I should also be taking the MK4 at a dosage of 45 micrograms along with the MK7 
of 200 micrograms. What are your thoughts? It, it's a little perplexing because there is um, MK7, yeah, which is a form of vitamin K2. Yes. It's a subtype of vitamin K2. Um, and MK4 is kind of an intermediate metabolite on its way, I believe, the, to becoming. So in, in this uh, one study that I'm looking at here is MK7 appears to offer a number of practical benefits over MK4 in terms of lower dosing and single daily dosing instead of multiple dosing. Hmm. So the vitamin K2, they say, in the form of MK4, mm-hmm. has been shown to reduce the proliferation of rheumatoid synovial cells in vitro and in vivo models. Okay, so it's good oh, for... Oh, interesting. So it's also good, not just for okay. bone and heart, but good for rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, recently, was found that 45 milligrams per day of MK4 reduced clinical and biochemical markers of disease activity. Um, MK4 is a form of vitamin K2 that's greater bioavailability, bioavailability than MK4. But the therapeutic utility of MK7 in rheumatoid arthritis has not been investigated. Uh, so does it apply to bone? Synthetic MK4 supplements were the first to market. Um, and then came MK7. Research using the MK7 form of vitamin K began about a decade ago. Uh, likely due to its longer side chain conferring greater liposolubility, maybe it's more bioavailable. MK7 is a much longer half-life than MK4. Mm-hmm. This is the main reason that dosages of MK7 may be as low as 45 micrograms daily, and that single daily dosing is possible. So this is one viewpoint in the Natural Medicine Journal. Maybe hmm. not the last word on that, but you know, I think it's also in the supplement field. There's sometimes there are competing forms. You know, like R lipoic acid versus alpha lipoic acid. It's like this yeah. argument, or you know, is it DIM or is it uh, you know the other form? I uh, 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 Indole, indole three carbon I three C DIM I, versus I three C. It's like it's like this these civil wars, you know, between <laughs> you know, like which form is better. And sometimes it's there's a proprietary interest in pushing one form over another. Or ubiquinol yeah. versus CoQ ten is another example. Yes. You know, yeah, true, true. So Chris, uh, for bone health, uh, you're better off with the MK seven two hundred microgram is a great dose. That's what would be prescribed. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's what we prescribe pretty much. 300 may be better, but don't forget you're also getting some from your diet if you're eating healthfully. So thank you for that email. I think we're good for another question. We've got one from Michael. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. Studies regarding the benefits or harmfulness of coffee seem contradictory. What is your view? Do the attributed benefits accrue from the caffeine or from the polyphenols? Wouldn't you agree that the benefits of green tea outweigh any benefits of coffee? Thanks, and continue enlightening your listeners. Thank you, Michael. Okay. Well, you know, I think coffee is one of those things that there's, again, individual differences in tolerance to coffee. Yes. Based on a gene, which is actually fairly easy to analyze. It's not a a polygenic, like a bunch of genes, like 20 genes. It's usually... It's one particular. One particular gene. Slow metabolizer of caffeine. It uh, has to do with uh, the SIP pathways, the uh, mm-hmm. pathways of meta- you know, metabolism of, and breakdown yeah. of coffee. So some people are <clears throat> fast metabolizers. They break it down very easily so they can guzzle coffee. And then they can therefore uh, get plenty of the polyphenols without getting jangly from the, the caffeine. Yeah. 
Um, however, there's some people who are very slow metabolizers. Yes. They're the people who can't have coffee after, you know, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon because it's going to affect their sleep. sleep. Or they're people who get anxious or they're people who can bump their blood pressure or get palpitations. Yes. Um, so it's, it's different. And, you know, what I found is that, uh, I'm sort of an intermediate metabolizer of coffee. Mm. I'm pretty sensitive to it, but I'm not the most sensitive to it. So mm. I, I limit it, you know, for me, I'm kind of addictive. So, you know, once I get started, you know, <clears> I'm going to just guzzle it and then I'm going to be like, you know, you don't want to be around me. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah. <laughs> if you think I'm talking fast now, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I gave up coffee last November. Yeah. I just got, what I started feeling was that because I, I love coffee mm-hmm. and oftentimes on a week weekend morning I would use it as a drug to get into my house cleaning yeah, yeah. headspace. Yeah like like taking <laughs> like that. Uh, like taking uh you know like Adderall or something. Exactly, exactly. Right, so right. let me get energizer bunnying all around right. the house or right, something. Right, right. But then I noticed that I would after like that third cup of coffee or so, because I love the taste of coffee. Yeah. I get really tired. I would crash. I would crash yeah, and burn. Yeah. And I realized this was adversely impacting my adrenals. Right. So yeah. now that I'm of a certain age of 57, right. yeah, it's not it's not working so well. So right. I switched to ginger tea. I'm better off without the coffee, right. but uh, I don't miss it that much lately. Right. What I do miss is a strong cup of Earl Grey tea or English breakfast tea right. or something I, like that. I That's what I miss. I guzzle decaf because I love the flavor of it. Yeah. Uh, I use it as dessert now. You know, if I'm like yeah. craving something after a meal, I just well, have a nice strong cup of uh, decaf. Yeah. Um, the You do get some of the, the polyphenols, the you caffeic do. acid and things yes. like that. Which may be beneficial. There's some real benefits to coffee. Coffee head seems to reduce the risk of uh, colon cancer, of liver disease. Yes. Um, there's something about it. And there's also some studies that show that people who consume a lot of coffee have less cardiovascular disease, paradoxically. That's interesting. Coffee was, I mean, you know, uh, remember the ads for Sanka? They was, you know, like... Oh, uh, Sanka. With, uh, Coffee or Sanka, the with Doctor, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know the. Uh, I forgot. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. it's it's yeah, yeah, yeah. old TV, but <laughs> um, the um, yeah. So. Um, but green tea. Would you say that green tea is is higher you up? You can't say that it's necessarily on beneficial. The it's got different things. Chain? It's got EGCG, which is yes. real, I mean, you know what I do is I don't really like to drink green tea except on certain occasions. I'll have a green tea, but I like a I good take the strong pills. cup of green tea I at a Japanese pills. restaurant. I take the okay. Then in those situations, I'm not I'll having sake. That. It's green yeah. tea. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, it's situationally I'll have that. Yeah. Um, what um, I have to say though is that lately for really big workouts like long distance cycling, you know, where I'm really like I'm going up hills and I kind of need like extra boost or motivation to, sure. to do it, I will put. Um, a little bit of a caffeine pill, very low dose caffeine pill into my bottle of electrolytes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's electrolytes with a little bit of caffeine. And that just gives me, when you're, see, when you're caffeine naive, you really feel it. Yes. Now, if I was drinking five cups of coffee, that would be inconsequential because really the amount of caffeine in there is about a third of what's in a cup of coffee. Yeah. And so, but, uh, or if sometimes like if I'm driving really at late at night, you know, I'm like visiting relatives or something and it's like, Okay, we got to go. It's eleven thirty. I got like a long drive to get home. Yes. Uh, I'll say, so give me one, <clears throat> like a half cup of regular coffee. Yeah. And like, boom, I'm zooming. Yeah, you know, it's like, nice. Turn on the radio, rock music, and like, right. yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think? After not having caffeine since November, you think Saturday morning I should have a cup of coffee and get my Energizer Bunny on, cleaning house, and I won't crash and burn? Well, you know, that's a strategy because I got to say that. It, it, <laughs> 
I sometimes look at the mess and I go, oh, uh, yeah, it's like, but you know, you got to power through it, you know, you got to power through it. Right. See, once you get started, you, you, you can, you can, it's just getting started. But I love that, 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 I love the buzz of the coffee in the morning because I was not drinking decaf. I was drinking full on high test, but not very strong or anything. I just drink decaf now, but I got to tell you, I go through a lot of decaf. But you like the taste of coffee. I like the taste of coffee. It just... You and know, you drink the good quality stuff, the natural water yes, processed decaf, water organic. Yeah, not a lot you drink of chemicalized. The good stuff. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think we've had to do a rethink on coffee. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, uh, what's his name? Young uh, was the name of the actor who did this. Uh, Robert Young. Robert Young, Father Robert, Knows Best. Robert Father Knows Young? Best. Yeah, Father Knows Best. Okay. And then he put on a white coat and he was like, a, you know, getting this. The, the, Marcus Welby. Marcus Welby, yes. Did he do Marcus Welby? Yes. He did Marcus Welby. Very good. Oh, man. It's, together, we have a brain. We don't have separately. It's like, but to, oh my gosh. It, it's like, yeah. yeah it, so that that was uh, Robert Young. Yeah. And Robert Young would be, you know, like somebody like really irritable snapping and you go, now, now, try Sanka, you know. It was, like, it was like, oh, the doctor in the white coat says, get off of caffeine. And that I think that gave a lot of people... The impression that caffeine is really bad for you, yeah. too much caffeine. I've got to, you know, some people guiltily admit that they drink coffee. And I go, well, you know, it, it depends. I mean, are you here for anxiety or are you here for insomnia? Yeah. Or are you here because you have High palpitations? blood pressure, or, what's going on? Yeah, maybe then you're, okay, you're, right. you're, you're worn out. You've got yeah. a feeling of no energy like, at all. This, That's too much caffeine. This That's is, a little burnout. This we will see. I mean, yeah. I, I, I recall this like today. I had a patient who was... I mean, he was the ultimate exhaustion patient. He was so tired that he had to put his head down on the on the oh. desk talking to me and oh complain of exhaustion. I said, so, uh, you know, I got around the questions and I said, well, you know, are you consuming any caffeine? And he goes, yes. I said, well, how many, how much caffeine do you consume? He goes, four pots per day of freshly brewed coffee. Oh, well, coffee. There's, there's the problem. And I said, you are, you know, completely obliterating your adrenals. Oh, You're, yeah. You've blown them away. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, no wonder so, you're. Yeah. So, so, and, and you're addicted. So in, you almost need like an intravenous drip <laughs> of caffeine to stay with sustained levels of caffeine because yeah, your yeah, body's yeah, used yeah. to such high doses. Yes. Yes. And the problem is you can't be, unless you're sitting at a desk, you know, with a freshly brewed pot of coffee in front of you all day long. Uh, I guess possible during lockdown, but this is, you know, 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, so we, we got him off of caffeine. That had to be an awful withdrawal. Very arduous. But he, he normalized. Mm-hmm. He normalized. I remember this yeah. to, to this day. Yeah. You know? That's really something. Yeah. Four pots of coffee. Yeah. But, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, you know, he, he addressed his fatigue by taking more and more and more and yes. more and more. Yeah. And it was working against him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well... Thank you, Michael, for that very thoughtful question. Yeah, I mean, again, this is this is the nature of nutritional advice. Yeah, is that you know the dogma of of twenty years ago, like for eggs and for coffee and for uh, red meat and saturated fat. You know, we have to we have to rethink those things. Absolutely, because nutritional science yeah. uh, proceeds, and that's why mm-hmm. I don't I hate the term settled science. It's settled science. Nope, there's no such thing. It's almost an oxymoron. Yes. Science is ever it's evolving. Dynamic. It's dynamic. 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 It's alive. It's... Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, actually, a really intelligent discussion yesterday with uh, Christian Conti, who's one of my favorite guests, and 
he applied sort of a philosophical model to this. He said that this dates back to Hegel. I said, man, this guy's like, he studied philosophy. Well, Hegel was a 19th century German philosopher. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, and it, it, now I vaguely remember when I studied philosophy that he introduced the idea of thesis and counterthesis and then synthesis. That's how ah. thought process and scientific progress proceeds is that, you know, people advance a theory, then they challenge it, mm -hmm. and then it's amalgamated and synthesized, mm -hmm. but it's continually evolving. Always. And yes. so he was one of the first guys who introduced the notion that there's no scientific immutable truths. There are this constant refinement mm -hmm. of science. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that with COVID big oh, time. Oh, yeah. You know, the dogmas that we subscribed to a year ago are being challenged and overturned. Yes. And, and questioned and. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I applaud the questioning and some of it's yeah. wackadoodle questioning. We, okay, so we can, we can push back against that, but mm -hmm. we shouldn't stifle it. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely one not. example, and we discussed this last week is the origins of COVID. You know, it's like, well, this crazy theory that escaped from a Chinese lab. Now, mm. major scientists are yes. signing on to that. Yeah. They're coming out of the woodwork and they're saying, well, we were reluctant to say this, but you know, examining the evidence, it's, mm -hmm. it can be pretty compelling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, was it, did it just evolve and jump from one animal species to humans or was it engineered? Mm. It appears to have a patent. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. so might NAC one day. Oh, no. That's okay. right. Yeah. Some corner of the market on Corona. I know. All right. So, uh, with that, on that note, let's uh, sign off for the week. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and continue sending your questions to radioprogram at AOL.com. Great questions. Really thought-provoking. Yes. And, uh, thank you, everybody, thank for you the questions. For helping us tee off on a variety of subjects. See you next week. This is Layla Mudin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.